about love and about his love. And um, yeah, he, he kind of um, spoiled my plans, I guess. He's planned to do other things, but he, he's, he, this is what he wants. And, and you know what? Um, his way is always best, I found out. And, um, you know, it would be nice. I, you know, people would say, well, I'd like you to go over, you know, down the, through the whole Bible and notes and everything. And that actually would be way easier for me. I'm going to plan out a whole year. But he, I don't know. He's always led me this way. Maybe because he knows I'll get petrified if he doesn't. If he doesn't, you know, just like say, hey, this is what I want you to do. So that, that I'll change. Um, this past week I was um, teaching uh, at the University of the Nations in, uh, in Kona. Um, young missionaries that are, that are going out. And they always ask me to, um, you know, well, that's, that's my area, you know, uh, is intercultural studies and, and culture-specific evangelism. That's what they want me to teach. And on the last day, was really strange because I was praying in the morning and um, I said to talk about what I've been talking about here, about God's love. And I'm thinking, that's not what they asked me to do, but okay. And it was really, really interesting because, yeah, sure a little bit more. It was exactly what the, they needed, exactly what they needed. And, um, you know, if we, you look at, listen to the words of that song that was right there. Well, even the song bef- before that, that you say when we talk about God's love, because, you know, um, the first thing is that he loves us. If he loves us, and that's why we can love other people. And um, so it's, a, it's about that. And if we don't love ourselves, then, um, you know, it says love each other like ourselves, then we can't love one another. But that song, you say, what, the lyric says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that says I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. And that's the devil. The devil is, is the one that tells you you're not good enough and, and so on because, because uh, God loves us. And it's, the, it's a lie that we got to fight, that we keep on, you know, the enemy keeps on telling us and, and other people might be telling us these things. And, you know, it, it, it runs in our mind. Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. And I think we always need to know that. You know, during the week, sometimes we get a lot of lies. A lot of times we get a lot of lies. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. When I'm you say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. And you say I am held when I'm falling short. doesn't matter. He loves us no matter what. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. You know, how many times, I don't know about you, but in my life, when you feel you don't belong, but it, it doesn't matter because you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me. See, that's the truth instead of the lie. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. And, you know, I've been... Sh- Sharing again that very spiritual story of Cinderella. 
and how the evil stepmother and stepsister was saying, you're nothing, you're stupid, you'll never measure up, you're not good enough, no one will ever love you. And um, once the prince says, you are awesome, I love you, and I want you to live with me, then it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't of the universe say what the other people say. Once the, once the king of kings and lord of lords of the universe says, hey, you're special, you're the apple of my eye, in fact, and you're mine and I want you to live with me forever. You're, you're worthy of my love. It doesn't matter what the other people think. And that's why it says, the only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Not the worth we find in the world. You know, it's... it's you know, like, um, there's another scripture that says, you know, like in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. This is not what I'm talking about when, when it says, you know, when, when the, the Bible says that love others as we love ourselves, that word love, because, you know, in English, we only have one word for love. And there's four in the Greek. So when it says, you know, love others like you love yourself, it's agape, which is godly love. But when it says you're lovers of yourself, in the last day, there'll be lovers of yourself. Love. Selfish love. You know, it's a narcissistic love. You know, it's not like, oh, I like myself, so, oh man, I'm so great. You guys all just come in, you know, because I'm so awesome. You know, not that kind of love. Yeah? Um, you know, I have a, a friend that, the, he, you know, uh, he would always joke. His name is Art. He's uh, Vic's good friend. And he would, he's a real funny guy and joking. So, yeah, he would joke because he knew I wrote books. And so he said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book right now. It's uh, Perfect Humility, How I Achieved It. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, his name is Art. So the byline is by How Great Thou, Art. Not that kind of love. It's this basic self-confidence that you have, you know? That you don't need to shout it out, tell everybody how great you are. You just know that you are worthy inside, deep inside. So you can have this quiet confidence that draws people because you're not going to be like, like the example I gave too. I gave them that too about the crabs in the bucket all stepping on each other to get to the top, clawing each other, but you're still in the bucket. But we do that, and so it's not that kind of love, but, you know, like it, the Bible says, if we lift Jesus up, he'll draw men to him. So what we do is lift others up to Jesus, and we all get out of the whole bucket. But if you have that quiet self-confidence, but love, then people will be attracted to us, because they, they, you're not going to, they, they see you're going to lift them up. And so that's what, you know, what, when it says that. In the song that they played during this, uh, the offering video, again, the lies that keep on going on our head that those young missionaries were working with. And no wonder they needed to have this message. Because they're going out to share the gospel, but they're, you know, we all have these things inside. And how can we share that love if we don't know he loves us and, and we don't love ourselves? then how can we show the love of God to others? So it was important for these missionaries going out 
you know, I, I'm teaching them how to accept other cultures and other ways of doing things, you know. And, um, but this is, if they don't have that basic thing, it, it, it doesn't work. And, um, you know, I love how the Lord works because at the end, you know, they have each student say, you know, thank you, the teacher, and what, what they liked about the week. And, and this one young lady from, from Mexico, she says, yeah, I didn't feel that God loved me. And I didn't feel I was worthy of his love. I didn't love myself, you know, because of what happened in my life before. And I tell you, that was one session, you see, I think I saw everybody wiping tears from their eyes, men and women. This, this last one. And she's there wiping tears from her eyes and saying, this was, that was my favorite session. It really had nothing to do with the subject I usually teach, but it has all, everything to do about missions, sharing our mission, sharing God's love with others. And so it... You know, it is that important, in fact, and I don't know how long he'll have me on this subject, but Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36-40 says, people were asking Jesus, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But you know what? You can't do that until we... The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. So if you don't know that he loves you, then we can't fulfill that, that first commandment. And a second is equally important. Love the entire self. Again, we can't love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, the entire Old Testament. And, you know, the New Testament says the same thing in a little bit different way. Corinthians 13, 1-3 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So basically the New Testament is saying the same thing. That the whole Bible is, it hangs on these two things. So how do we do those two things if, again, we don't know God loves us and, and we don't love ourselves? You know, we can't. And so, but no wonder he thinks this is so important. <laughs> the whole Bible is summed up in those two things. It's the basic and most important thing. And so, you know, we, you know and, and again, it's, it's that if we really, quote, eat the word and it becomes a part of us, of who we are, so it comes out, not just know it, you know, like I say, you know, I know Bible teacher, been a Christian 50 years, and not really know it. We need to have it come inside of us. Yep. Yeah. Um, and grow in us. And so again, uh, 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he loved us first. And for the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to know that, and that comes from God. Because, you know, like the, you know, the world is very fickle. 
You try to get that your love from the world, it's, it's going to be up and down. And your emotions will be up and down instead of just knowing who we are in, in Him. So, you know, and I... And He loves us not because you're, you're good, not because you're, you know, you're good this week, oh, He loves me this week. Or I'm, quote, uh, you know, bad boy this week, so he doesn't love me this week. It, you know, it's, it's not that kind of love. It's the love of a father for their children. I mean, a good father of their children. And um, a good father, you know, no matter, you know, I, you know, we love our kids no matter what they do. Sometimes they might get us really, really mad at what they do. But we still love them, like the father of the prodigal son, hoping that they'll, they'll right their ship and come back home. In fact, maybe we think about them more than the, the child that is doing good right at that time, we just because our heart goes out to, to that child. And um, that's why the Bible says he'll leave the 99 to, to go over that, you know, reach out to that one that's lost. He wants to find that one that's lost. So like our children, if one is going really astray, that's where my mind and prayers are at the time, not the one that's, that's doing well at that time. Not that you love the one who's doing well any less. But it doesn't matter. It's not up and down. God's love is not up and down because it doesn't matter what you do. You, know, you fall short that week or you're doing really good that week. His love is just the love of a father because you're his child. Okay? You're his. And that's why. Just like... My kids, you know, I love them because they're mine. You know, it doesn't matter what they do or what they even tell me. You know, there's a time where, you know, my son, ah, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, I hate you or something like that because he's mad at me. But it doesn't change my love for them. It might hurt me. He hurt, the Bible says. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, you know. But it doesn't change my love for them. can be grieved. I can be hurt. I can be, you know, um, upset at what they're doing, but it doesn't change the, that love. So we need to get out of this thing of the world that, okay, I was really good this week, so, you know, I feel fine coming to church, but I'm so bad this week, I don't want God to see me. And we hide from him and separate ourselves from him when he wants this close relationship because we think we're bad. But he's like the father of the prodigal son. No matter how bad he was, he's, he's with open arms accepting us back, wanting us to come home, waiting for us to come home. So it doesn't matter. You know, um, in fact, like I was telling the, the worship team once that, you know, I think that's the best worship. Not when, yeah, I, I'm doing really good, but when, you know, Oh, well, fought with my wife coming to church. And I don't feel worthy in myself, but he loves me. And I just am so grateful. I'm just so grateful that he loves me and accepts me and he paid the price for me. And it's not about me and what I did that week, but he paid the price for me. So the worship is so grateful and humble. And I think, you know, sometimes that's, you know, that's the, the best worship. And, you know, I, I told them about the story I, I said last week about 
the story I heard as a, as a, in, in high school about the boy who lost his eye and he didn't have the money for a plastic eye, a nice plastic eye, and he couldn't have money for a glass eye. He only had money for a wooden eye. And so he had a wooden eye and everybody teased him. Everybody teased him about his wooden eye. So he goes to the dance and he's, you know, it, we, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because he's sitting there like this and so nobody talks to him. And it, our hurt brings more hurt in our life. He thinks everybody's rejecting him, but maybe because he's hiding. But he looks across the dance floor, and there's another, there's a girl sitting there all by herself like him, like that. And as her head is down, he sees she's bald on the top of her head. And so nobody else is asking her to dance, and he thinks maybe this person will dance with me. So he walks across the room, and he asks her, would you like to dance? And she is so excited that somebody finally asked her to dance that she says, would I? Would I? And hurt people hurt people. And so he says, bald head, bald head, and walks back across the room. But you know what? Like I say, we do this all the time. Especially... You know, like, do a lot of marriage counseling, and, I, and we know from our personal lives, we, people, we do this all the time. You know, in fact, the people who are closest to us have the most chance to hurt us. Yeah? And then we're already ready. You know, like I said, he's like, they're both like um, hurt animals who have been hurt and hurt and hurt. And, you know, you find out an uh, animal that was, that was, you know, abuse, and you come up to pet the animal, and they're, right? Because they think you're going to hurt them when you just wanted to pet them and show them love. And so, you know, like I say, sometimes people learn. And that's the way to stop from getting, because all of our old way of handling things is how to stop from getting hurt, to get what we want. Um, so to prevent people from hurting me, I'm going to hurt them 10 times worse, and they won't do it again. Or I'm going to put up such a big wall, I'm not going to feel anything, so I, I don't care. Yeah? Or I leave. So anytime somebody even seems like they're, you know, I'm like that, I'm going to leave. And, you know, so we, we handle those things in, in different ways. But what if that, see, this is one of the most important things. Like I'm saying, to live the love, you know, uh, of the gospel, you know, ha, you know and, and what if that boy... He, he knew that God loved him and accepted him just the way he was. And in fact, he was preparing a place for him where he'll, he'll have a whole new body, not only just a new eye, but that he was loved. And this is the really important thing. Then it doesn't matter what those other people said of him. You know? Doesn't matter what, like that song says, doesn't matter what anybody else says about, about him because God loves him. And the next important step is to forgive. And that's why the, it's so important that Jesus had it in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive. We forgive our trespasses as you forgive in us. <clears throat> because like Queen Liliuokalani Kalani said, um, no one is free from their own sin until they forgive those who have sinned against them. 
We're tied to them. They control us. Yeah, you notice when somebody, you know, hurts you and you, so, you feel so down all day or you feel so angry all day, it, it just spreads. You know, and the more you think about it, the more you're going to be angry, the longer you're going to be angry about it and affects your whole day. And hurt people hurt people. You know, your boss treats you really unfairly. You come home and um, take it out on the, on the wife or husband or the children or kick the dog. You know, we pass it on. And so the, the important thing is to forgive. That's why the Bible says about forgiving. And we can forgive them because we just know we have compassion on them because we know they're hurt people. That's why they hurt people. So we can have compassion on them because it doesn't matter because the King of Kings loves me, so all oh, those poor hurt people. Yeah? We can have compassion on people who hurt people. And also on our side, we're not going to say, would I, would I, because we're, you know, I mean, you know, respond to someone who says that when didn't even mean to hurt us. Because we're still hurt and we're holding on to this stuff and didn't let it go. Okay? So we think someone's hurting us when they're really not. You know, yeah, you know, there's um, marriage problems that can grow big. It's because of the hurt over a little thing. But say, you know, like... Uh, you know, uh, you asked your husband to call you, um, and they, he didn't call you. But then we thinking, well, either he, maybe I had a past experience where that meant he was doing something that, you know, was fooling around, he was doing something like that, or we think that he doesn't respect me, he doesn't love me, he doesn't care about me because he didn't call. And when the husband comes home, you're already like this. And we don't forgive and we keep ammunition, yeah? So I say, you didn't do that. They say, well, you didn't do that last time and you didn't do this. And 15 years ago, you did this and that. And we hang on to the unforgiveness as ammunition so we can climb up over them in the bucket. You telling me I'm bad, you're worse. Yeah? Don't tell me I'm bad and make me feel low. I'm gonna make, I climb over you because you are worse. You did all these things. And so little things like not... You know, and, and um, I, there, there has been incidences like that where council people and they're in a big fight. And you find out that the husband, yeah, he forgot his, he didn't charge his phone. But because of, we already are judging the person and he comes home and the, person, the wife is already mad. Yeah? And, and that's the, so we, you know, or vice versa. And, and that's the other, so the two things, forgive, and if we don't want to forgive, we're judging. Because we're saying, you did something bad that I wouldn't do. Yeah? I wouldn't do what you did to me. But we don't know, we've never walked in their shoes. We've never walked in their shoes, so we don't know. Uh, we might be worse if we lived their life. And so we don't know. Yeah? So we we can just forgive. Now, would it be a whole different story if that young man had forgiven everybody in his life who had teased him? Then maybe when he went up to her and she said, would I, would I, he might just say, oh, you know, yeah, let's dance or, um, oh, you know, um, what, what are you trying to say? What do you mean by that? 
And she would say, wow, I really am so happy someone asked me to dance. And instead of rejection, more rejection and rejection, there would be love. Yeah? The, what they were looking for was love. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we're already ready. We're ready to pounce, we're ready to put on our wall, or we're ready to run. But we cannot give love. Okay? And so, you know, like, a, a, again, this may seem like a real simple thing, but the whole Bible hangs on it. You know, people might say, oh, you're talking about all this stuff. We want to, you know, learn, you know, all the, to tear the word of God apart and piece it and everything and read it and look at it. But this is the basis. That it's if we eat it and walk it out in our lives, that actually, like the Bible says, we are to be different people from the world. Different people from the world. So the thing is, is, it starts with knowing He loves us and loving ourselves and then forgiving. Yeah? Forgiving. And not judging others because then that says really that um, I wouldn't do that so we don't have to forgive you. Because we don't know what they've walked through. And just, oh yeah, we can forgive them because they're hurt, hurt people. But if we don't, you know, like I, you know, I said last week too about how the you know, the, the, the people who catch birds in Indonesia, they have, they, you know, get a clay jar with a narrow neck and put a peanut in there. And they catch monkeys because the monkey will make his hand like that, go in the jar, grab the peanut, and kind of get his hand out. And the hunter will just come up to him and conk him on the head because he won't let go of the peanut. And what we need to do is to let go of the peanut, which is the unforgiveness. We don't have to forgive you. Or you hurt me so much, I am not going to forgive you. I either judge you that, yep, you deserve it, or, and also that means unforgive. I don't forgive you. And then we're trapped by the devil. You know, like that, like that example, because, or, you know, uh, he, if he forgave everybody before that, then he wouldn't have be continually conked on the head by the enemy. And so it's, that's why it's so important, the, you know, it's in the Lord's Prayer to forgive. And we can forgive because we know we're loved and we know that we have compassion on people who are hurt. And so we can let go of the peanut, okay? Because, you know, and all the ammunition, all the peanuts we have stacked in there. And it's really interesting because I've, yeah, I've counseled married couples where one person is hurt and the other person will just say how awful and evil and all the things the other person is because they're hurt. When they really want that person to love them, I say, why are you doing that? I, that? Would that help? Do you think that helps? No. Then why are you doing that? I don't know. Well, you know, well, because you've been make myself feel better and you saved up all your ammunition so that that's how I've learned to make myself feel better. I step on somebody else and um, yeah it's really strange uh, he you know person wants their spouse to love them and yet they're just you know and um, do you think that helps no why are you doing that I don't know I've always been like that I've always done it that way but we can be different you know we are free we are set free he set us free but he gave us free choice, so you got to let go of the peanut. 
Yeah? It's only a peanut. We can let go of the peanut. And then we can share the gospel freely with people with that love. Because you know what? We have the greatest privilege on earth is to share about what Jesus has done for us so that we can be the children of God and we're loved. See, that's why it's the gospel means the good news. It's the good news. We have the privilege of sharing with everyone, but we're not going to share if we don't know first those things for ourselves. That we get to, that's the, you know what? It's the only thing in this whole world of eternal value. Only thing in this whole world, and we have the privilege of sharing with people this of eternal value that they're loved and they are the children of God. And that, you know, like I say, you know, if you're, you know, that, that one thing you can do, like, like I said here, we will love and respect you no matter who you are, no matter where you came from or what's happened in your past or, or how you are today um, because you're a child of the king. So you're worthy of love and respect because you're the child of the king and he loves you and he took you in. And like I said, with my children, when they were hurt by people, it hurt me. And so we, want, we don't want to hurt you because we don't want to hurt our God. We love him for what he did for us. So you're the apple of his eye. And so, you know, if you want to know that you're loved, then you belong and you're accepted no matter what. This is the place. It's, it's his children that would be able to do that because, you know, we know that he loves, he loves you and respects you that much. So we want to... And we're, we're imperfect, but realize that, um, you know, like I said, we might be so excited to have you. I was, would I? Would I? But it's, I'm not trying to hurt you. <laughs> we're not trying to hurt you. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, that you, you are. And we get to share this with people. And you know what? The world really needs this right now. You know, a two-week period, a couple weeks ago, there were six young people in Pahoa who committed suicide. A young person commits suicide when they have no hope. And Jesus, he's that hope for us. Not only getting to the, climbing to the top of the bucket, which is, you know, but eternal life and joy and peace with him as his son and daughter of the king. They need that hope. They need, you know, people really need it right at this time to know that hope. And I'm going to show you a short um, clip of, this is a, you know, he's a professor and he's talking about the universe before this and how, you know, the Big Bang Theory, there's a beginning. You know, the, the, the scientists know there was a beginning of the universe, but you know what that means? There's going to be an end and all life will end and the human race will end if, if that's all it is, if it is just an accidental evolutionary thing. And we have the privilege of sharing with people like this, you know. As I moved into my teenage years, I began to ask the big questions in life. You turn that up. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And as I wrestled with these questions, I found myself sinking into ever deeper despair in the face of my own eventual death and ultimately the inevitable extinction of mankind and the heat death of the universe. Everything seemed so pointless. Human life, my life, became just a brief and transitory blip in the purposeless plunge of the universe toward extinction and oblivion. 
It was only later in life that I learned that I was experiencing what existentialist philosophers call angst, a deep despair or hopelessness at the core of one's being in the face of the absurdity of life. The French existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre analyzed the notion of my death and showed that in light of your impending death, no matter how distant, the life you have left is ultimately absurd. As Sartre puts it, several hours or several years make no difference once you have lost eternity. If there is no immortality, then life is without ultimate meaning, value, or purpose. It is without meaning because without immortality, it literally does not matter how you live. Everything will wind up the same. It is without value because right and wrong, even if they exist, which is doubtful on an atheistic view, don't matter because your destiny is ultimately unrelated to how you live. It is without purpose because the purposes we invent to fill our lives, say, becoming a doctor or an artist or a baseball player, are all ultimately futile and fleeting gestures against the inevitable fall of darkness. In my high school English class, we read Shakespeare's Macbeth. The play's most memorable lines are perhaps those of Macbeth upon the death of his wife. Out, out, brief candle, life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. I was on my way to becoming a very alienated young man. The anger and the hopelessness that I felt just ate away at me inside, so that every day became a burden. Then one day, when I was feeling particularly miserable, I walked into my high school German class and sat down behind a girl who's one of these types, you know, that is always so happy, it just makes you sick. And I tapped her on the shoulder and she turned around and I said, Sandy, what are you always so happy about for anyway? And she said, well, Bill, it's because I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior. And I said, well, I go to church. And she said, that's not enough, Bill. You've got to have him really living in your heart. Well, what would he want to do a thing like that for? She said, because he loves you, Bill. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Here I was so filled with anger and despair, and she said there was someone who really loved me. And who was it but the God of the universe? And that thought just staggered me to think that the God of the universe could love that worm named Bill Craig down there on that speck of dust called planet Earth. I learned that my problem was sin. I knew that although my life was externally upright, my heart was selfish and twisted within. I learned that as a result, I was spiritually dead and alienated from God. And that's why he seemed so distant and unreal. But Jesus claimed to have come for people like me. He said, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. By his death on the cross, he paid the penalty for sin that I deserved so that I might be forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God, my heavenly Father. But it wasn't enough for me just to believe these things. Something had to happen to me or in me. 
I had to be spiritually regenerated or reborn by receiving God's Spirit. God promised to bestow upon me not only forgiveness, but also eternal life with Him. There was nothing I could do to earn this. It was a gift of God's grace, which I could only gratefully receive. The message of Christ thus spoke volumes to my existential predicament. Here was the fulfillment of human existence. Here was the knowledge of God and His unbounded love. Here was the promise of eternal life, which infused the life I was now living with eternal significance, meaning, and purpose. For the choices that I made now had eternal consequences. God had given me the awesome freedom to determine my own eternal destiny. And that's the privilege we have of sharing about him. Sharing about him with others is because you have all people like that. Yeah, you know, if we're just an evolutionary uh, mutated monkey and then we get what we can and then we die, you know, that's all life is. And yeah, our world is, if it's turning away from God, it gets more and more screwed up because, yeah, there's no right or wrong. We just get everything we can any way you can and die. doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. And so people are at this place where, yeah, there's despair. We get to share with them hope and love and an eternal future. And, and like you said, God seems far away from me, but sometimes we push him away because we think we're not lovable or I'm not good today, so I'm going to push you away today. And um, so we need to know that, you know, his love. We walk away from him like the, the prodigal son. And, you know, again, that from the, the song we played during the offering, I've been hiding, afraid I've let you down. Inside, I doubt that you still love me. But in your eyes, there's only grace now. You plead my cause. You right my wrongs. You break my chains. You overcome. You gave your life to give me mine. You say that I am free. How can it be? How can it be like him? How can this God love me? You know, the speck on this little planet here, the Lord of the universe. You know, you know and, and that's why there should be gratefulness when we, when we do that. And um, so, you know, um, as the worship team comes up, just want to talk about, you know, this, sing the song again, You Say. And again, you know, this is, uh, Lauren Daigle wrote this song, and she, you know, she's a Christian, but she's gone through a lot in her life. And it says, I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that's the lie of the devil that tells me I will never measure up. That's what keeps us in bondage. Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You know who you are? The truth instead of the lies. The truth is that you are loved and you are a child of God. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. So it doesn't matter if you're rejected by the hurt people who hurt people because you're his. And we need to be reminded this so that we can show love and I believe.
or I believe what you say of me. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Every other type of worth in this world is fleeting. But the worth that comes from being a child of God is eternal. And that's where we get our worth. It's from Him.